Welcome to the Seed Time Money Podcast. We are your hosts, Bob and Linda Lodick. This is a hope-filled podcast that'll help you save, earn, give, grow, and actually enjoy your money. We don't hold anything back. We share everything that we've learned on our journey. Everything from being 100% broke to paying off our house by age 31, to finding work with purpose, to giving more than we ever dreamed possible, all while having a blast on this adventure that God has led us on. And if you want to achieve true financial freedom and design a life of eternal impact, this is the show for you. We are so glad you're here. Let's get to it. Seven things that people who are good with money never buy. We'll see. We'll see. So this is not our list. We're sharing a list. We found another list. We love going through this and seeing how we stack up. (laughs) I know. It's kind of like a quiz. I want to know. I love taking all the quizzes. I know. Mm -hmm. So we're going to kind of look at each one of these, see how we're doing. You can judge for yourself, see how you're doing. We'll see if we are good with money or not. Who is saying whether we're good with money or not? I don't know. I'm not sure, but we'll see. This is from an article in Medium. We will share the link in uh, the description below so you can check it out. Seven things people are good with money never buy. I like this Number picture. one. I want to go shopping with that girl, whoever she oh. is. Number one, they're not buying brand new cars. I feel like we talk about this nonstop. <laughs> yeah, this is like the number one thing we keep talking about. Probably, but... probably. Yeah, but no, we haven't bought a brand new car. We did buy our Honda Fit that is brand the new. only new car we bought, and that was a good purchase for us. Yeah, so... Which uh, I think is interesting. Let's talk about that. Let's take yeah. that angle. Yeah, yeah. So a new car loses 10% of its value in the first month, mm-hmm. uh, 20% in the first year. That's- if you think about that, $30,000 car, that means it loses $3,000 in the first month. And that would be what? Uh, about $6,000 in the first year of ownership. So the value that you're losing is just flying off that vehicle so fast mm-hmm. versus if you buy a car that's three years old, it's already lost a good chunk of that depreciation. You're just saving yourself a lot of money by buying a little bit of a used car. Now, if you are going to buy a new car, the key is to hang on to it for longer. You know, the worst thing you can do is buy a new car and then trade it in two years later and just keep doing that. Because it's like all you're doing, you are the one who's eating all the depreciation and having to make up for it each time you buy a new car. So you want to be in the other extreme on the other end. You don't have to go as crazy as I did buying, what was the Taurus? 13 years old? (laughs) So this was a crazy experiment we did. And we talk about this in our book that's coming out in March, March. I believe, yeah. hopefully. But no, I bought a old Taurus off my sister. She was trading into a deal. I bought it for $1,000. Bought it as a third car that we didn't need at the yeah. time because it was just $1,000. And our other two cars are getting old. I'm like, this will be an insurance policy in case they blow up. One of them did blow up. So we drove that car for a few years, I think four years. And because it was so old and so far down in the depreciation curve, it just really wasn't depreciating anymore. And so I sold it for the same price I paid for it five years later. He so how was cool is that? so happy with himself when that happened. Pretty proud of myself. I'm not going to lie. I'm excited. Okay. But why did we buy? Let's answer the yeah. question. Why did we buy a brand new car? Like so what was the reasoning for that? We bought in 2000 and what was that? 11? 2006. Fit? Really? That was a year after our, it was our one year anniversary trip, remember? And our car blew up. So 2000, the end of 2006, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So 2006, we bought a Honda Fit. The reason we bought that purchase, I'm going way back here, tapping into the archives. But (laughs) the reason we bought that car new was because A, you couldn't buy it used. It was the first year that they were, they had them in America. Like they were making them in Japan or something, somewhere over there. Like you could drive them in other parts of the world, but they didn't have them here. And if you remember, this was like the first time that gas like went through the roof. It was like the first time we hit $4 a gallon in the U.S. And so everybody's freaking out about gas prices. When we were, I remember driving and paying 
99 cents for gas or less, oh, yeah. 89 cents for gas. And now it's like, we're really dating ourselves now. So yeah, we ended up buying this car new because we couldn't buy it used. I wanted to buy a Honda because I had done all the research and determined that Honda and Toyotas were basically the two best brands to buy in terms of reliability. Right. So the combination of all these things kind of made for the, all right, I'm going to break my own rule here and buy a new car. But mm-hmm. the, the what I knew was we're going to drive this car for 10 years. Like I bought it with the intention of driving it for 10 years. I'm like, if we do that, then we spread out the depreciation long enough that it might make it worth it. Mm -hmm. And we did. We drove it for basically about 10 years, right? Yeah. We really gave that car a lot of love. And it was a fantastic car. It like was I, a fantastic car. Ugly car. I mean, Super I mean I'm ugly. sorry it if you have like a fit and you think they look mini, good. But... A minivan is what it looked like. That's what we called yeah. it. And yeah. we have a minivan now, which is funny because we just upgraded to. Yeah. Or people we added. Yeah. But it looked like a tiny minivan. It did. And we were like, this is such an ugly car. But man, it was like it had way more space than you would think. Yeah. We had that car for 10 years and like nothing went wrong with it yeah. other than battery or uh, light bulbs. It burns yeah. through light bulbs pretty quick. But other than that, like nothing, like no repairs. It was amazing. I mean, to have a car for 10 years and basically have no repairs. Yeah. And like, then we sold it. And then we sold it for a good amount because it's a Honda and they sell well. Nice. That That's a real long story of not buying new cars. But that's the first kind of uh, point here on don't buy a new car if you can avoid it. And if you do, hang on to it for a while, okay? Okay. Next point. People who are good with money, according to this author, they're not leasing new cars either. Yes, I hate to break it to a lot of people, but you are not getting a deal if you are leasing a car. Now, I'm not saying there aren't reasons and times where maybe it you, makes sense. It might make some sense, but you just have to understand the financial benefit you're getting from it is not the reason that um, right. it makes sense. So I'll just leave it at that. And you can run the numbers and do all the math. Don't go to a dealer and talk to him about the numbers. Don't. <laughs> Don't go to somebody who's trying to sell you the lease and ask them for the numbers, but go look at, just Google it. Read the independent articles of people who actually run the numbers and then evaluate for yourself if that's the best financial move. Now, like we always say, all decisions are not financial decisions, so Mm -hmm. there might be other factors involved in why you're leasing it. Mm -hmm. And so we'll just leave it at that. But you bring up a good point because it is important who you ask what questions to. That is a really good point. You can go to one person and hear what you want to hear, or you can go to another person and hear wisdom mm-hmm. and hear what the Bible says or what you need to hear. You know what I mean? Yep. So just be careful who you're asking what questions to. All right. Okay, number, number three in this list. They don't buy houses that they can't afford. Mm. What do you think about that? I mean, I think that's very wise. I think that's a great idea. But yeah. The biggest reason is uh, that you won't get it taken away from you by the bank. Right. Especially like, again, post 2020, like this is the thing that I feel like we keep talking about. Anything can happen. We were just watching a show and they're in the show. They're going to be talking about 2020. And Bob was like, go back to like February of 2020, January, February of 2020. And imagine like how you would have thought about the next how year. How optimistic. <laughs> yeah, think about know. how optimistic we all were. Like, this is the 20s, the roaring 20s, like all the excitement. And then just a couple months in, there was a freaking quarantine. Like, who saw that coming? Nobody. That that was unbelievable, I well, yeah, think. And everything that's... Anyway. And everything that's gone on since then. Anyway. I want to be like the anti-pandemic 
like on this podcast and stuff I know we don't so. I know we don't want to talk about the pandemic the whole time or any of the conspiracy theories or any of that stuff. Let's talk about all of it. Let's bring what it out here. Let's talk about politics. We're already talking about religion. It Let's was just do it. Just, it was just it was very surprising and it put us in the position of okay, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. The things that we didn't think were gonna happen happened. Yeah. We were surprised by a lot of it. So yeah. okay. So the takeaway I think is life is unknown. We don't know what's going to happen. It's wise to prepare for things that could happen. Yeah. Let's just go back to Joseph in the Bible mm-hmm. in Genesis. God had given him a heads up. He prepared. He took steps. Right. In the times of abundance, he saw, you know, by God's heads up that there's a famine coming mm-hmm. and he got prepared for it. And as a result, not only did he survive it, but he was able to bless a whole bunch of other people and a whole bunch of other people were able right. to survive it because of his foresight. And I think there's a lesson here for us, you know, financially or in other areas of our lives, we should be paying attention to the signs. We should be paying attention to what's going on. And this doesn't mean we need to get all doomsday prepper and build a bunker and whatever else, but but let's just start thinking about what could be and what could be and like, what are the hints? What are the things that uh, could be coming down the pike? And how should we adjust our lifestyle now? How should we adapt what we're doing now and thinking about the future? Right. Yeah. And especially if you feel like you are having dreams or <laughs> things that God is highlighting to you, be paying attention. Right. Exactly. Okay. But I have another question about this. How do you determine if you can afford a house or not? Because that's what this is saying. You don't buy a house that you can't afford. Because what I would love for everyone to do is to pay off their house and never have a mortgage again. I think that is a great goal. I want you all to know that it's possible. We've done it. We didn't grow up in houses where our parents did that. So it's not like we came from all this money and we're like, but what is a reasonable idea here of what can we afford? I know this this (laughs) might be a cop out. I just don't like talking about this, but 28% of your income, you know, this is rough guidelines of what a lot of financial experts say should go towards mortgage expenses. So whatever, roughly a third of your income or ideally less Mm-hmm. should be focused on that. I don't really like that because we've never operated on that. We've operated on pretty much as low as we can get by on. And this is the thing. This is where personal finance is personal because that mm-hmm. didn't mean getting the cheapest house we could possibly find because we could find things cheaper in right. parts of the area or city we didn't want to be in. Or that, that didn't were, make sense for our didn't family. Didn't make sense for us right. or were more dangerous or whatever. But on the other hand, it wasn't just where do we want to be? It doesn't matter how much it costs. We're just going to go there. Like our goal has always been how can we get a house that suits our needs for as little as possible so we can get it paid off as fast as possible. The goal has always been how do we become mortgage free as fast as possible? And that ratio is not going to help you get there. Now, the worst thing you can do is just go to the banker and ask him how much you can afford. Because even after the housing crisis of 2008, you would think that they would be, and they were a lot more cautious for a little bit, but still, they're always overestimating for you and I, in many cases, if you're an entrepreneur and new in business, they're hopefully underestimating, but that's not who you want to go ask how much you can afford. And that's what a lot of people do, unfortunately. And especially pre-2008, that's part of why we had the crisis that we had with the housing mess is because the banks were just lending way more money to people than they should have been. So again, who are you asking your questions to? Mm -hmm. Who are you asking what questions to, right? Yeah. Anyway, that's a rough, dirty answer to maybe give you a little bit more direction and point you in some direction with that. Okay, great. 
All right, number four on our list. They are not buying things on credit that they can't pay for. Okay. So in other words, if you're putting it on a credit card, it should be paid off every month. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Which yeah. we have. Yeah, I mean, you've got to tell them about the Chase card. Oh, okay, let's talk about the Chase card. <laughs> let's talk about it really fast since we are talking about credit. So the Chase card, yeah. So I, again, only talking to people who are... Um, paying off. Paying every credit card every month mm-hmm. if you're not... Just tune up for the next minute or two. It doesn't really matter. But yeah, so Chase Sapphire ultimately is the our favorite credit card we've used. I've tried out at this point, I think, 34 different credit cards. That's how I roll. This out, is what I do. Fine with it. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so I've tried out 34 different credit cards and this is just the best for most situations and ours being one of them. And so we've traveled for free yeah, over 100 hotel nights and flights and stuff we've gotten completely free, mostly because of this card I and mean, the points that we've earned from it without going out of the details. A lot of these cards have points programs, but this particular points program just, it's just it's better. It's just better. The money just goes further. The points just go further. So mm-hmm. it's like a currency that's worth more than other currencies, if that makes sense. So the reason why we're telling you about this is because right now they have like a hundred thousand. Yeah, at the time of this recording, point. Yeah, bonus. There's a hundred thousand point sign up bonus. So it's pretty. Which crazy. most of our flights, let's just put that in perspective. Most of our flights are probably under twenty thousand points. Yeah. yeah. So we were just we just booked my mom a flight up here, and I think it was like seven thousand, nine thousand points for her to fly from Florida to here. And so hotels, like some of the hotels we stay at, are five thousand points a night. Depends on where they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. But the point is, is that Fine, those points go stuff. really, really far. So, yeah. Anyway, there's the uh, sidebar on that. So I guess my takeaway, or my, not my takeaway, but my encouragement is if you just pick some random credit card because it's just what you've always had or they give you a free t-shirt to shine up or something, like it might be time to try one that might yield you some more benefit. Mm-hmm. And if you're not using credit cards, that's cool too. No need to use them. We had many years of our marriage where we didn't use them because they didn't make sense for us Mm -hmm. and we couldn't control our spending. But if you are disciplined with your spending, you're paying them off every month, there's a lot of benefit and rewards that you could get. So all that to say, back to point number four, you do not want to be paying for things. Yeah, You don't want to be buying a pair of shoes and be paying interest on it for 12 months. We want to avoid that if at all possible. I think we all know this, right? This is pretty common sense. Number five. They are not buying luxury goods from brand name designers. What do you think? Well, I mean, I have been for years trying to figure out how to convince you that this was a good idea because there are some things that you can really like if you're going to do the I'm going to buy this and then resell it. Like you, you've done an example. Let's talk. Example. Like a Louis Vuitton purse. Do you think you can sell a Louis Vuitton? You can definitely sell a Louis Vuitton. You think you can sell it for? Half of what you would pay for. Oh, yeah. You think More so? than half. Where for would you sure. S- yeah. And there are even some like super high-end luxury bags, at least, that you can sell for more. Okay. So here's what I As propose they, that like, we do. become vintage and whatever. All right. Here's what I propose that we do. We buy one used. A yeah. cool vintage one used. Okay. Let's get a good deal on it when we buy it used. And then, yeah, let's oh, go for it. Are we doing this? Are we buying it with business money because it's an experiment for the business? <laughs> This is the other thing I do. If the IRS is watching, this should be real fun. (laughs) Okay. But in general, I agree with this. I mean, I think the point is... Okay. I would say, you know, and I don't know this world that well, but a lot of high-end design stuff is just so grossly overpriced. I agree. And there isn't 
a super strong secondary market where you can resell it. No, I agree. And I think the point of this is you're just consuming. Like, I think that's what this point is, is the consuming aspect of it. So if you're going to do this, I think making wise decisions and trying to resell when you are no longer interested. Yeah. All right. Number six on those lists. They are less likely to load up on material items at all, opting for quality over quantity. So, yeah. So, I think it, there's a tendency to kind of look at these two and say that they're contradictory. They're, yeah. But they're not. Like, I think you have cheap stuff, then you have quality stuff, and then you have whatever this Designer. is. This really high level It's thing. really just an, a label. I yeah. Mean. And so, even like if we're being honest about Louis Vuitton, like, for example, a saddleback leather bag that I used to have that's made great. of this leather that's like this thick like it really was super well leather. made yeah. amazing quality stuff it was expensive it's like $500 for a bag but that's actually still less than a Louis Vuitton yeah and made a whole lot better you know Probably. for Louis you're paying so much for the name mm-hmm. and it's just it might be well made compared to a coach bag or something like that but I think the reality is it's probably not that much better than a coach bag. And maybe it's 50% better or something. I mean, I'm throwing these numbers out of thin air. But point is, it's not like whatever, 10 times or 100 times better, like the price would make you think. No, but I mean, this is true. So I, for a long time, shopped at H&M. I still like H&M. The sweatshirt actually is H&M. It's one of my favorites. But we bought some t-shirts from Freedom Co. Mm -hmm. Their quality is a whole lot better than H&M. You know, when you wash them, the seam isn't like sideways and stuff (laughs) like that. And they last a whole lot longer. So they they are more expensive. That brand is great. You should definitely check it out. But they're more expensive. However, it's something that you can have for like four, five, six years until it starts really wearing out. Whereas I can buy like six... H&M shirts, it's going to cost me the same thing, not as good of quality and won't look as good. Well, yeah. And oftentimes, like, so in in the case of Freedom Co., like, it's ethically made. Like, it's made, like, that's their main thing is that it's ethically made clothing. Mm -hmm. And so, whereas a lot of things that are cheaper, in fact, most things that are cheap are not Mm -hmm. made in sweatshops or whatever. But also, like, you think about that shirt, you said it's your favorite shirt to wear and you Mm -hmm. bought other t-shirts and worn them a few times and been like i'm ready to get rid of this that is a frustrating thing when you buy something they love it in the store and then you get it home and it's like yeah it washes and it's terrible quality over quantity all right all right number seven on this list is they probably aren't planning lavish expensive weddings should we tell them about our wedding? i don't know man i think we nailed it with this <laughs> I, and part of it was just because this is what you wanted yeah, this was what we wanted. Well, and a part of, but like I, I will tell you, care. a big piece of it was I was seeing how much everything was going to cost. I mm-hmm. went and tried on a dress, and I did not have money to buy a dress. And it was, and yeah, this was like all happening to me at one time where it was like I was seeing how much things cost. I was seeing how in debt I was. We were getting married. We were trying to get our finances on track. So that was kind of the culmination of all these things that were happening at one time. And I went to go try on a wedding dress and I was like, this is the dress. This is the one. It was beautiful. I felt gorgeous in it. You know, the whole thing. And it was going to be a thousand dollars to get this dress. And I still hadn't bought shoes or accessories. I hadn't gotten my hair done or getting my makeup put on. Compared to right. what a lot of people spend on dresses and now. In my head, I was like... <laughs> I cannot spend a thousand dollars on this. And so we ended up just deciding if we don't really want to spend that much money on this, like 
this is telling us something. So we went for a super simple wedding. We did immediate family only. I worked at my church at the time, so they let us get married in the building. For We tried to pay our pastor. He gave us the money back, which was so kind and sweet. We had a reception we at a, a nice restaurant in town afterwards. Well, our after, yeah, that was just with our family. And then my mom hosted a reception for us at her home a month later. It was really just so sweet, and it was really intimate. Like, we actually really loved it. Yeah, the best thing about it was the stress reduction of the yeah. entire wedding process. Because I had enough foresight to know, you know, because I'm just analytically wired to think, all right, this is one day. Like, we're going to be married this whole time. I'm more mm-hmm. interested in our whole time married than I am this one single day. And I don't really want to spend, whatever, $20,000 on this one single day. But I would have happily done much. it. I would have happily done it for you. But Thank since you. you were kind of cool with this, I'm like, great. This yeah. is awesome. Like, and so then we just had this super simple wedding, like almost all the stress was gone. And it's just it's like. so true. It actually became like this celebration of us being able to start our lives together instead of it being like this event, yeah. which I know that's not for everybody. But yeah, we're not, we're not putting this on everybody, but I'm saying for us, it was like really great for this us. fit and we really enjoyed it. And I, part of me honestly was scared that you might regret it at some point. I do not regret it at all. And Yeah. That's that's awesome. It's a win. It's a win. We so we were able to actually have some money to buy a bed, which we desperately needed a bed and many other things at the beginning of our marriage because we were completely broke. But yeah, it was a good financial move. One of the better decisions of our marriage, mm-hmm. I think. I agree. Yeah. So I think just remembering that it's one day is is helpful regardless of whether you're going to do a big wedding or a small wedding because it's so easy to get caught up in the frenzy and in all the typical expenses yeah when and you, i have to do this yeah like you have to ask that question like do i really have to do this and the answer is not it's it's often different than you think mm-hmm. just because everybody else does it that way doesn't mean you have to do it that way and that's mm-hmm. such a liberating thing to understand also capping your spending limit on that like just saying okay we're only going to spend this much usually brings out so much more creativity. It gives your friends and family a chance to participate in ways that brings you all together. Mm -hmm. Because what it is, is is it's really such a special time of a new thing happening in your life. And I think it gets overshadowed so often by the party and it has to be a, a certain way. And I think it even can cause a lot of conflict because, well, I want it this way. And, well, I'm paying for it, so it should be this way. Well, but it's my day, so it should be this way, you know? Yeah. That that doesn't need to be there. So there's so much to think about with all of that. that and I think part of that can really be saving a lot of money. Yeah. Amen. So those are the seven things that Business Insider says people who are good with money never buy. So there you go. Thanks for joining us on the Seed Time Money Podcast. And remember, money isn't the goal, but it's simply a tool to help you fulfill your purpose and your calling. And we'd love to help you achieve true financial freedom faster with our email newsletter. So if you want exclusive money tips and hope-filled encouragement in your inbox, head over to seedtime.com to get signed up. Knock, knock. Who's there? Leaf. Leaf who? Leaf us a review on iTunes, please. All right. Thanks for listening. Know we are praying for you and we'll see you in the next episode. (laughs) 